hello, stranger. Hi, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a tick, but welcome to that Modern Medieval the Podcast, or welcome back. <laughs> I'm yeah. Megan. And I'm Ello, and today we are just quickly catching up and giving you some medieval news. Yeah, just kind of uh, getting back into the swing of things, and yeah, sharing some medieval news, some ancient history news, some modern news that's related to, you know, uh, medieval, early modern things. We just thought, oh, this is an easy way to kind of re-familiarize ourselves <laughs> with yeah. recording our voices in preparation for people to listen to them. <laughs> yeah. So this started because we were trying to think, well, what's going to be our first episode back? Because we've both just been having chaotic times. Elo has since moved. I went on a blast trip to America, then had to isolate, coming back to the UK, PhD, life. Ella's also working and has other things. So we were wanting to do something kind of easy, breezy. Yeah, because I, I, I definitely don't think we could do anything hardcore just yet. Yeah, me <laughs> like we'd be both like, oh no, this is a <laughs> lot. Like, I can't do this. I'm sorry. But I sent to Ello after being on Twitter and seeing that I had back-to-back posts, one by Medievalists.net and the next one by the Smithsonian Magazine Journal, about how there's a recent journal that came out saying that the Maori may have been going to Antarctica as early as the 7th century. And so the Maori are from New Zealand. So it was just interesting for me to see the double uh, post on Twitter about this factoid new discovery. And I thought, hey, Ella, let's do this. And yeah, agreed. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) here we are. Giving you little pieces of things that you can read and find out more about if you are so inclined. Yeah. Um, So basically, this is um, these articles are a compilation, kind of brief summaries of an article titled A Short Scan of Maori Journeys to America. And it's by Priscilla M. Wehi, Nigel J. Scott, Jacinta Beckwith, Rata Prior Rogers, and Tasman Gillies. And that article, the scientific article, is published in the Journal of the Royal Society of New Zealand. So if you actually want to read this research that's coming Mm. out, that's where you can find it. Definitely. And basically, um, this study by this team was compiled who scanned literature and integrated this with oral histories from minority um, separate tribes. And this is thinking about the record of Maori presence and the perspectives that they have around Antarctic narratives and exploration. And this actually plays a really important role in this idea of Antarctic yeah. lore, mythology, history, and experience with it. And through this discovery, they realized that these stories of Maori uh, exploration go back as far as 1,320 years. Yeah. I thought it was really impressive because as well, there's a, a big emphasis on like oral history and oral language and oral um stories which is some like a kind of knowledge that's always been kind of quote-unquote considered like the vernacular you know yeah I think that's kind of an interesting parallel to draw that like actually putting an emphasis on this is really important because well in this case you rediscover history and you can rewrite 
well, you can replace history in a way. You can re-emphasize it. Yeah, and I completely agree with that, especially because so much of kind of quintessential foundational uh, literature, like the Iliad, the Odyssey, Beowulf, those oral started off as oral history mm. that were then transcribed down. I still need to read Be- Beowulf. <laughs> um, you know, I think even though that's taught in classes, it's like, oh, it was so long ago. And yeah. you forget that you lose that essence of the orality. But with yeah. this, it's like, no, this is still a tradition that is alive and still yeah. um, a major resource to everyday beliefs, but also to scientific understanding of the world around us. Yeah. And so, yeah, this just being like really compelling. And I think it's also a beautiful way to illuminate indigenous contributions yeah, to sure. uh, scientific, you know, what Western world or advanced whatever. And it's like, no, everyone is able to contribute. And I just think that's really important. And throughout all of this, um, the indigenous tribes that have contributed to this are actually now becoming more prevalent in the um, Antarctic treaty system, which is about, you know, management of Antarctica and global uh, climate change and trade routes and things like that. And so I think that's really wonderful as well. This, um, yeah growing participation of Maori Antarctic scientists and incorporating Maori perspectives into sure. research programs. Yeah. And speaking of ice, um, yeah. here comes my little new well, contribution. Um, in the Italian newspaper, there's been an article on the Norwegian uh, discoveries um, called Secrets of Ice, which are basically that because of the glaciers melting, there's been some archaeological findings such as like pens, mummies and things like that that have started happening in 1991 but then grew and more discoveries were made in 2018 and basically it's becoming like this whole huge field of research of like Vikings and their time because the type of things that they're finding is more like related to that time frame. And so that's quite interesting because obviously this climate crisis is a disaster, mm-hmm. but the fact that there's some history that can be drawn from it and understandings that were before, like before that co- covered up is quite fascinating in my opinion. Yeah. It's like a double-edged sword. Honestly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course I'd rather not have these discoveries because there isn't climate change, but yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have these new discoveries and contributions to historical understanding. For sure. And I also know that I think it's in Svalbard with the ice and glaciers melting up there that it's uncovering a lot of these dead reindeer that have like uh, arsenic or something. So it's causing, or maybe it's like anthrax, this mini crisis of uh, reemerging toxin. Oh Um, God, that's bad. I should have like pulled up an article about that, but you can look into it. It's something like that. Um, But also I know that with lots of kind of, you know, explorations in like for the Western passage, you know, and the Arctic and the North, you know, uh, like the Frank failed Franklin expedition that this has been uncovering bodies that have been missing for centuries. I think this has also been contributing to 
uh, the visibility of a lot of bodies on Mount Everest, which I was mm-hmm. reading about recently uh, due to the over exploration, if you will, of the Himalayas, yeah. um, which I know that I think it was in 2018, there was like a big article about that. And it showed this image of just all these mountaineers on the ridge of Everest waiting to summit. And such a surreal image and like just really gut churning because below that you have the rainbow chasm rainbow valley rainbow valley of all the deceased yeah um in their bright you know Gore-Tex mountaineering clothing they just fall into this chasm after they pass and are just scattered there and you can't remove the bodies and because the snowfall you just see them all so uh yeah, I, I, I've watched a few of like, these documentaries on like um, hiking the Himalayas and it's really fucking scary. Yeah. Um, so in less morbid <laughs> news, I guess you will, another kind of fun scientific archaeological discovery that falls into the early medieval is archaeologists discovered and then accidentally crack and but it was discovered an intact 1,000-year-old chicken egg. That's um, amazing. Discovered in a human waste cesspit in Israel. So researchers found this egg and were really astonished to find it. I mean, eggs are so fragile. Apparently, they occasionally find ostrich eggs, you know, with the right condition because they have such thick shells. But to find a chicken egg which, you know, is small and fragile, as we all know, having had them in kitchens or bumping into them in grocery stores or whatnot. They were like, whoa, this is wild. Because they do find fragments, understandably. And that's still kind of remarkable for the protein of the shell to exist. Yeah. To find a full intact egg is just... Amazing. Yeah, even though it's just a chicken egg. It's a thousand years old. So... The shell apparently cracked despite the team taking the utmost caution when removing oh, it from the Oh, that must have been so sad. Um, however, the director of the team's organic materials conservation laboratory um, was able to repair the crack. Um, although most of the contents did leak out, they were able to preserve some of the yolk for future oh. DNA analysis to kind of, you know, see what kind of chicken it was and biological, you know, trees of taxonomy and such. But so the discovery was part of an excavation conducted ahead of development of a new neighborhood in the Israeli city of, and I hope that I'm going to pronounce this properly. Uh, So they're excavating the ancient city of Yavna. Hmm. And um, so this is being managed by an actual, like, archaeological society prior to the building, making sure that they, you know, Mm. preserve and excavate all important artifacts. And um, other things that were found alongside the egg were three bone dolls, which are very common for this period. And just a brief, like, little history, like, the time period that this is in, um, so the t- team has been able to date their finds using a, a lamp that was made only in this period, an oil lamp. And, um, it was made in the late Abbasid period. 
and the Abbasid Caliphate ruled much of the Middle East from 750 until the Mongol invasion of 1258. It then lost control of Jerusalem when Europeans captured the city during the First Crusade in 1099. So that's just like a little bit of the context of geographically where this is and historically kind of what was occurring. So, yeah, if you want to read more about this, you can go and check it out on the Smithsonian Magazine. Just type in 1,000-year-old egg and you can read more about um, people talking about this. One thing I thought was interesting was apparently chickens were domesticated in Asia uh, about 6,000 years ago. Oh, that's really interesting. But they weren't introduced to be part of the human diet. They were introduced either for chicken fighting or because they're so beautiful as these like exotic animals oh, and pets right. that were revered and were exhibited in ancient zoos and given as presents to kings. Oh. So, and then in England, apparently, uh, chickens were introduced uh, about... 2,000 years ago or so, and the same thing. They weren't part of the diet, like, as a meat source. So just something that's kind of... Particular. Oh, I'm sorry. It was 3,000 years ago, not 2,000. And the domestic fowl of that time lived, on average, for two to four years. So, like, bird lifespan, you'd think. And that's apparently much longer than the 33 to 81-day lifespan of chickens in modern industrial farming systems. Oh, well, that's a whole that's sad other thing. Um, yeah, a contribution to climate change. Yeah. I found that just like such a, that's such a big difference yeah, <laughs> time-wise. And yeah, so they held special status and were viewed as sacred rather than as food. Hmm. So, you know, I didn't know that about chickens and we take them for granted. We so. do. And then the last thing that I wanted us to talk about today. So moving away from the archaeological that we've been discussing is the May 21st uh, burglary or robbery of Arundel Castle in Sussex in England. Oh my God, I missed that. It's interesting because I just found about it today when I was double checking some factoids. Um, And so I... uh, This is from a BBC article that was released on the 3rd of June where the insurance company is offering money. Money, yeah, compensation. Or a substantial reward for recovery of the artifacts stolen. Items include a set of gold rosary beads carried by Mary, Queen of Scots, at her execution in 1587. And then there were also lots of other, like, priceless items such as Canavarian coronation cups, gold ceremonial batons, silver apostle spoons, a silver casket, and a silver mug. And even though these have financial value due to their material of up to a million pounds, their historic value is, you know, worth exponentially more than that. So this is still an ongoing mystery of... Like, finding the robbers. Apparently, they found ladders outside the window. So that's how they got into the building. That's really um, fascinating. But it's kind of like a, a movie, you know, where you yeah. picture, like, but these aren't, like, a giant diamond or something, you know. But yeah. um, hopefully the artifacts are returned to intact to their proper 
home, but we time will tell. We will just find out. Yeah. We'll see. If yeah. this is a, a kind of thing that interests you, there's a few series on Netflix on these kinds of like robberies and like um, art robberies or art. Um, how do we, well, how would I say this? Like um, fake art kind of taking up the market. There's a few things like this that are really interesting if that kind of knowledge of things interests you. Yeah, I'll have to like look into that. The only one I know is uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, which is the like uh, fake Banksy versus real Banksy. It's a documentary film oh, from, like cool. 2010 or something. Yeah. No. But yeah, I was just really surprised that this wasn't in more like UK news, but uh, there you go. Maybe they're trying to keep it hush hush. Yeah, I don't know. So those are just a few of the kind of news items that we've seen that have been released in the past couple weeks. And we decided to do this just to show the prevalence and the relevance that is still, you know, modern and medieval or archaeological or ancient. So yeah, hopefully you learned something and want to go check out some of that material. So hello. Sign us off. Um, so if you'd like to listen to more, please know that you can find all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, Amazon, Audible, anywhere you would listen to your podcast, just type Modern Medieval Podcast. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, just type Modern Medieval Podcast. On Instagram, our handle is podcast.modern.medieval. And you can email us if you so would wish. Um, we're just typing modern.medieval.podcast at gmail.com yeah and then finally you can tweet at us if you'd like which goes with our chicken theme today and (laughs) (laughs) our handle is at medieval underscore modern so feel free to ping us like us whatever else you do on twitter and as always our intro and outro music is by trothgard who you can find on bandcamp by typing t-r-o-t-h-g-a-r-d thank you so much for listening Hopefully you're glad to hear our voices again. And until next time, I'm Megan. And I'm Elo. And this is Modern Medieval, the podcast. (laughs) 